Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Hey, that's me. <laughs> How you doing? How are you? Hey, welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem, America. Today in the What's Hot Spotlight is Jared McAllister. Now, he's a New York uh, Daily News editor and columnist who continues to author the paper's 40-year-old career beat column and edit specials such as the Black History Month section. He's also worked on the upcoming Harlem Evolution, a publication chronicalizing, I always have trouble with that word, chronicalizing or chronicling, there you go, chronicling the 125th year existence of the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce and the history of Harlem. So it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say Jared McAllister is what's hot. How you doing, Jared? I'm good. I'm what's hot tonight, or today. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let, let me just say, I'm uh-huh. I'm former former Daily News. I just retired in really maybe 2020, uh, 2021, uh, oh, after, okay. after 44 years at the paper. Really? Oh, okay. I could so... I could have retired twice if I worked for the city. <laughs> oh, okay. So, well, we'll get into to some of the um, stories that you may have uh, written mm-hmm. over the years. And uh, but first, I just want folks to know that uh, I met Jarrett at the um, the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce kickoff for Harlem Week, and Jarrett had an opportunity to tell us all about the history and evolution of Harlem and the chamber. So that's why he's here today. But before we get into those stories, uh, Jarrett, like I do with all of my guests, I'd like for you to um, get on the uh, Wayback Machine and tell Mm -hmm. me what it was like growing up as little Jarrett McAllister. Um, Little Jarrett had a good time. Uh, Little Jarrett was from Brooklyn. Uh, born in Brooklyn Hospital, went home to my mother, father, and sister. My father was a superintendent in the apartment building we lived in in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. And uh, when I was coming up, we were the only black family in the building, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Interesting, you know. And and times changed, and I lived through the times changing, where more black people moved in, where um, uh, some. People from the Caribbean moved into the neighborhood, and I, I, I watched the, the, the change take place. Um, as far as school, um, high school, I'm a graduate of uh, what, what we call the high. It's still called the high today, which is Boys High in Brooklyn. Oh. <laughs> Boys High, where, where that Vaughn Harper went to, actually. He's one of our famous alums, Vaughn Harper. Oh, and yeah, uh, radio legend. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, as far as school, went to St. John's University. And uh, while I was in St. John's, one of the professors, who was an an adjunct professor, suggested that we go get jobs at the Daily News. And uh, I went all around looking for jobs. I'd go to ABC and fill out a form, and they would say position desired. And 
I would write down um, something clerical. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing. And I finally said, all right, I'm going to go to the Daily News and see what's going on. But I had a friend, um, uh, Nelson George, writer, producer, doing oh, lots yes. of things. Yeah, yeah. Nelson's, Nelson yeah. was in St. John's with me, and Nelson was writing for the Amsterdam. And Nelson said, go up to the Amsterdam and, you know, and volunteer and you can do some writing. I went up, talked to a man and wanted to volunteer, went back the next day and explained that I volunteer at school all the time. I'm a DJ, I'm an engineer, I do this, I do that, <laughs> I'm on the black student group. I need a job, I need a real job. And he asked me who recommended me. And then he confessed that he was in Harlem assisting the Amsterdam News on his own time and that he was a full-time reporter at the Daily News. Oh, really? Okay. And uh, his name was Hugh Wyatt, who did a, did a lot of jazz writing and stuff. And Hugh, Hugh Wyatt is a very uh, famous uh, writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he picked up the phone and got my boss, my, my boss to be on the phone and said, I'm sending him down. And uh, the, the rest is history. That was 1977 when we had a blackout. Uh, we had a helicopter crash on the Pan Am building. We had right. the son of Sam. Uh, all this was going on when I first started at the paper. And uh, really interesting, really interesting. And uh, was there for 44 years. Uh, moved up the ranks, was a reporter, became an editor. Started writing the Caribbean column early. And uh, part of that was doing supplements uh, like Black History Month, but also like Harlem Week. And I worked with the chamber for probably more than a decade doing Harlem Week supplements each year. And a lot of the people that I'm meeting now, I've known them by name and email for a decade and never met them in person. <laughs> and, it, and, and it's great. And it's really great. Everybody's warm and wonderful. And um, they're informative, too. I'm learning a lot. Learning a lot about Harlem. For those... I like uh, it. Well, that's beautiful. For those living outside of uh, Harlem and around the country and around the world, Harlem Week is a big festival that we have in August. Uh, and um, it is, uh, we kicked it off uh, last night at the uh, Schomburg. And uh, uh, Jarrett, since you are a an expert on Harlem Week, uh, give the uh, audience uh, a little history and uh, about Harlem Week before we get into the greater history that I want to talk about. Okay, okay. Um, uh, as far as the greater history, the Harlem has had the Harlem Chamber has had three different incarnations, uh, and the uh, I don't remember if Harlem Week started under the Uptown Chamber of Commerce or under the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce. I think it was the Uptown Chamber of Commerce, and it was something that was. Uh, uh, sought by some prominent people in uh, the community that we needed an event to be sort of a premier event for for Harlem. And uh, that's how it came about. And it's been uh, national and international ever since. I mean, uh, from the beginning, actually. And extremely popular. Uh, COVID, you know, took everything down a notch, but it's back uh, this year. And bigger than better than ever with tributes uh, to Tina Turner 
tributes to um, Harry Belafonte. And, uh, yeah. and we, uh, we have a big event uh, outside of Grant's tomb. Uh, and that is, um, uh, that is a, let's see, that is Harlem day. Mm. And then, uh, and then we have summer in the city on mm-hmm. 135th street, 135th street, uh, between, um, fifth Avenue and St. Nicholas. And, uh, then we also have a great day in Harlem. I, I'm sorry. I got it wrong. The great day in Harlem, I believe is the, 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 the first, uh, event, okay. but, mm-hmm. uh, Along 135th Street from Fifth Avenue to St. Nicholas uh, will be the tribute uh, to uh, Harry Belafonte, and uh, and we'll have three sound stages, uh, and and on all three stages there'll be tributes uh, uh, to them. So now you have a book coming out, and um, your book the, the, chamber, Harlem, the chamber has a book coming out. The chamber has a book coming out, but mm-hmm. you're you're instrumental in uh, in in in, in uh, uh, contributing to it. Uh, it's called Harlem's Evolution. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yes. Tell us a little Harlem's about Evolution. that. Um, yeah, it's I'm uh, part of a team. I'm part of a team. I'm working with some veteran writers, writers that I've known for years uh, through Harlem Week, and um, Ron Scott, Herb Boyd, uh, Lloyd Strayhorn. Uh, and it's it's interesting because when we have meetings uh, with with the writers, uh, with Lloyd Williams, the head of the chamber, Voza Rivers, uh, it's like, it's not, I was going to say it's like, it is having maybe several hundred years a firsthand Harlem experience in the room at the same time. Um, these people have lived a lot of this. They know the people, they've lived the circumstances. And if they don't have firsthand knowledge, they can definitely direct me where to go. So that's, you know, that's, that's the introduction that I had. And I'm, uh, I'm really soaking it up. And I remember this when I'm out looking for information, researching, and uh, looking for photographs, and uh, and and then and, and studying, in order to do my articles, I've written several articles for the publication. Uh, for example, I wrote an article on the West Indian Day Parade, uh, which is big in Brooklyn and has been in Brooklyn since the '60s, but it started in Harlem uh, as far back as the 1930s. And really, it started in Harlem. It, it's it, it's it's one of many amazing Harlem stories. It started in Harlem because that was the place to go if you were West Indian back then. The West Indians lived in Harlem. Uh, Jamaicans, Trinidadians, people from Barbados, they were all in Harlem. And at some point, they wanted to celebrate their history. So mm-hmm. they wanted to do carnival. And they thought about it for about, maybe 10 seconds or so. And Lent is, in Fe- Lent is in February. And you can't be running around, you know, wearing next to nothing in February. You can't do that. So the first events were held in ballrooms. They rented ballrooms 
and had events indoors. And at some point, there was, a decision was made to take it outdoors in the 40s. And they had to ponder a bunch of things, which I find really interesting. Uh, they looked at it and said, hmm, we could have it on Memorial Day. It's like Memorial Day back then, weather was iffy. It might not have been good enough weather to have carnival. You know, it's not stable weather yet. So, okay, good. Um, how about Fourth um, of July? No, the Fourth of July is not good because it would take business away from our our boat rides that we have every year. You know, and they're charging for the boat rides, and we don't want to do that. So they they came upon Labor Day and made Labor Day the day where it was in the summer, you know, early, uh, late August, early September, and it's going to be warm enough, you know, to do their thing. And it went on for years, went on for years until at one point they didn't get their permit renewed. And there was also the big population shift where mm -hmm. now, you know, in the 60s, uh, Caribbean people are moving to Brooklyn. And the concept of Carnival went along with it. And in fact, some people from Harlem were instrumental in reviving it in Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, there you go. And uh, another fantastic Harlem story. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, so now tell me about, um, I heard you speak last night, and the question was, what do Harlem and the Hamptons have in common? Yes. And talk, talk to us I, about I, that. I, and I also told the audience, it's not that they both begin in H. That's not what they, right. they've got that in common, but that's not what I'm talking about. Um, back in the day, now I'm talking, how about way back in the day, before America was America, before the American Revolution in the 1700s, okay, Harlem was described as pastoral, as rustic and rural, that's how you describe Harlem, because Harlem was so far away from the city at that point, it was, um, it would, you could call it far flung, okay? Manhattan, lower Manhattan, the tip of Manhattan was basically the center of New York City back then, you know, and we're even where the African burial ground is, which is just past Chambers Street, which is near mm -hmm. the current city hall, that was considered out of town. They did the they wow. they buried the black people up there, and that was out of town. Harlem was all the way uptown, but people loved Harlem. They loved Harlem. I've seen many a painting when I'm looking for photos of a Harlem mm -hmm. landscape, of the hills of Harlem, just the pastures of Harlem. And it was at the point uh in the 17th century where people would vacation in Harlem. People would <laughs> go to Harlem to spend the weekend at their summer home or, you know, or, or their, their, their second home in Harlem. And wow. it was like the Hamptons, you know, like, 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 like <laughs> on the Hamptons. So I'm like, you know, totally fascinated. Amazing. Yeah. What other nuggets do you have in, in your investigation? You, you looked into the uh, articles in the times and, and other publications. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I mentioned it last night, but I looked in the New York Times, which has been around forever and a day, and I found articles. Uh, the first one I found 
was from 1896, the year the chamber was started, and sent chills up my spine to find it. I'm looking, and it was a small piece, not big, not a small piece. It said, oh, uh, like, by the way, the newly founded Greater Harlem of Commerce is going to hold its first meeting this week. And I'm like, whoa, whoa first time, that's great, that's great. But then I noticed uh, days later, which is impressive, but it was just days later, there was an article on page three. The first article announcing the chamber's meeting was on page 16. Now they're on page three. Like, you know, what happened? They were that respected. And the topic was that important. They brought up the concern of commerce in Harlem, saying that they noticed that the, the chamber, which at that time was called the Harlem Board of Commerce, mm-hmm. their board noticed that there was a lot of ship traffic coming into the United States to lower Manhattan. And it wasn't working its way up to Harlem. I mean, where the ships could easily come into Harlem and distribute their, their goods up in Harlem directly. You know, we've got docks in Harlem on the, on the Hudson River. You know, we want to get some of that ship traffic. And that was the beginning of them pushing for more improvements and advancements for the neighborhood, which would help the people. So did they actually get the ships to come up to Harlem and dock? Yes, yes, yes. Um, The ships came up, uh, the docks developed, and um, uh, the neighborhood uh, sort of built Built, built itself, uh, that part of the neighborhood, built itself around the ship traffic coming in. So, yeah, they, they definitely did that. They were, I don't, I don't see any time where they weren't successful. I don't see any time where they weren't successful. They, they, when they wanted something, they seemed to just go after it. Wow. Well, okay, we're going to have to take a short break. But, okay. uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with Mr. Uh, Jarrett uh, McAllister. And he's giving us the uh, history and evolution of Harlem, as well as the evolution of the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce. And when we come back, I, I want you to talk about uh, how the uh, Triborough Bridge and the George Washington Bridge came into existence. Of so course. We'll be right back. Don't go away. This is What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out. Check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. The 
home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America, where Coca-Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to Alexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Well, thank you for coming back. Uh, don't forget to check out our website, harlemamerica.com, where we've got some uh, articles and some uh, radio interviews and some TV interviews. And uh, we keep putting up stuff. So please check us out, harlemamerica.com. Tell your friends, okay? All right, so we're here now with uh, Mr. Jarrett McAllister, formerly of the New York Daily News, and but he's with us today talking about the evolution of Harlem. So, Jared, uh, now, from what your uh, talk last night, you mentioned mm-hmm. how the Triborough Bridge came into uh, existence. Talk to mm-hmm. us about that. Okay. Uh, I don't know if the chamber coined the phrase, but... At several points early on, they pushed and pushed and pushed and advocated the construction of what they called a triborough bridge that would connect Harlem with the Bronx and Queens. And they wound up pushing and pushing and pushing for it until until it happened. Until it happened. Uh, They were also involved with... uh, I found this really fascinating. Um, uh, the World's Fair, where they, uh, they, you can go from the Triborough Bridge, you know, across the Triborough Bridge into Queens to Flushing Meadow. So they had signs in Harlem telling people, directing people <laughs> to the World's Fair, but from Harlem, you know, oh, which wow. is great. Uh, um, um, Infrastructure was a big thing for them. They knew that infrastructure would bring traffic, commercial traffic, and also aid uh, the resident and re- residents of Harlem. So they were also pushing for um, the end of the Fort Lee Ferry, which went from Fort Lee in New Jersey to Manhattan. And mm-hmm. their logic was. The Fort, the Fort Lee Ferry is okay, but what we really need is a bridge connecting Harlem to Manhattan. Uh, excuse me, Harlem to New Jersey. Excuse me. And they pushed and and pushed, and finally the George Washington Bridge was built. <laughs> and um, I'm going to try my first little experiment here. I'm going to. Can you see that? I think that can be seen. Bring it, bring it a little closer. Uh-huh. Okay, now I'm looking at a a uh, table with uh, surrounded by men in in business suits. Uh, yep. 
uh, who who are these people? You're looking at the uh, the board of the um, Harlem Board of Commerce in 1902, and the article that accompanies the photograph is about the subways, which were coming in several years. And the chamber was proposing that the subway take Lexington Avenue to get up to Harlem rather than Lenox Avenue to ensure that a majority of the, uh, of the community would be served by the subway. And they did get the Lexington Avenue line that what that did happen. The newspaper supported, this was the, the, the Daily Tribune in New York at the time. The newspaper supported that. They supported it and others did. And that wound up being the root uh, of Lexington Avenue. Really? You know, the, 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 the chamber strikes again, you know. Now, the, okay. So now 125th Street is the, the like the main drag, main thoroughfare, uh, if you will, uh, in, in Harlem, commercial thoroughfare. In uh, in Harlem, how did that come to uh, come to be? Um, I'm not quite sure about the name. I know that when the subway uh, got to 125th Street, that the the transit authority wanted to call the subway station something else. They're like uh, Manhattan Street or something, and the chamber was like, no, 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 no. This is the 125th Street station. And that's what it should be called. And Transit Authority, you know, conceded and, and changed the name. So these uh, men mm -hmm. uh, who were part of the uh, chamber, mm -hmm. uh, they were, what, businessmen uh, that... Yes. Uh, that held a lot of power? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they did. They, they, they were businessmen and... Um, from what I'm reading in the press, they were well respected, very well respected. I mean, you know, it's like they uh, they talk and people listen, uh, which was which I, I you could you could see the power in the articles because like you know they're they're being taken seriously, always being taken seriously, and always doing something progressive and uh, and advantageous for the community residents. How did the chamber transition from being a powerful white man to powerful black men? Yeah, I, I love that photograph too, where you got a couple of them have the handlebar mustaches, and uh, <laughs> you know, and it, and it's great. Um, it just over time, over time, and uh, they say times change, tastes tastes change, but this was just a change in population where you had more black people in uh, political positions and in business positions. And um, at some point the leadership, uh, you know, at some point elected their first black president. And it, it, it went from there. It hasn't, it hasn't gone back from there yet. And uh, that's when you had things like, uh, uh, the same concern for the neighborhood, same concern for the infrastructure and uh, and developments for the community, but uh, you also had uh, arts and cultural events. Uh, you had events like Harlem Week, which is 
been going on for years and years and years at this point. And you also had the input of some very powerful people like uh, uh, Charles Rangel, Percy Sutton, David Dinkins, uh, Basil Patterson, uh, you know, based in Harlem, supporting the chamber and, uh, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, being impressive, being, being impressive and powerful and building their power for power for the, uh, the good of the neighborhood. How has, uh, Harlem progressed, uh, over the years and, uh, and, uh, how has the chamber, uh, really been involved to this, this newfound progression? Uh, the chamber is involved in all ways. You were talking about the Harlem week events coming up. Um, uh, I also wanted to mention that there are events for senior citizens. Mm -hmm. There are events all throughout the week for children. Uh, there are events uh, dealing with um, uh, uh, cyber issues and, and, and uh, cyber connectivity and, 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 mm -hmm. com and computers for young and old and those in between, too. So they, the chamber knows that they've got to cover all aspects of, of life in Harlem, which is all aspects in life. Um, uh, that includes, you know, dealing with issues. And I don't know if it's an issue or if it's an occurrence with gentrification. You know, gentrification is more an occurrence than an issue. Uh, it can be an issue if, you know, new residents aren't supportive of, of Harlem or supportive of the community, but if they're living in the community and supporting the community and supporting businesses in the community, um, it's less of a problem. I've looked at old photographs and they remind me of Harlem today. I mean, photographs from the thirties where uh, white people are walking around like, you know, I've, I've got someplace to go. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, in a, I'm, I'm in a crowd at this intersection full of black people but, you know, there are white people here, too, and we got some place to go, and we're on the way, and they're walking, and doing, you know, and nobody's paying them any mind, which is what I see right now. So, uh, you know, and, and, you know, that was a, a remnant of all those immigrants that, that were up there at, at a certain point. There were so many, they, they all couldn't disappear. You know, they were still living up there or doing business up there, and, uh, you know, it's sort of uh, similar to today where uh there's a change in the neighborhood but you know uh, things things change over time so we've got to all work with the change and work for the for the community and make sure that Harlem is positive and uh, you know and Harlem benefits the uh what old Harlem traditions can you still see in effect today Ooh, now you're talking okay um <laughs> I'm really, I get amazed easily. I'm totally amazed. I said, I tell you, I said my mind is being blown. And I, I think that still works, but it blows my mind <laughs> to envision Spanish Harlem, Benny King's Rose in Spanish Harlem, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Spanish Harlem, before it was Spanish Harlem, back in the day, it was called Italian Harlem because it was the site of the most Italians in Manhattan. 
okay? Not the Little League. It was uptown on mm-hmm. the east side. And they had come over initially as workers. A, a small group of people brought over as workers, and then the migration increased to the point where you had the biggest population up there. I've even read that East Harlem was the first place that was called the Little Okay, oh, really? Uptown. Yeah, so interesting. And in the same year the chamber was founded, 1896, there was a restaurant called Rouse. It was R-O-A- open to R-O-A-S, apostrophe S, mm-hmm. pronounced Rouse. Mm-hmm. And Rouse is still there today, 125 years later. It survived Italian Harlem. It survived Spanish Harlem. It survived Plato East Harlem. And it's still there today. And it's one of the most exclusive restaurants in Manhattan because the way the owner has it set up now, the tables are sort of owned by people, by individuals it's a, or families. And it's a cooperative sort of thing. And you're talking about a small number of tables in a restaurant. But if big celebrities go there all the time, So if uh, Leonardo DiCaprio wants to have dinner at Rouse, uh, one of the families will invite him up and he'll he'll have dinner and and eat there. And it's still there. Uh, Patsy's Pizzeria is another place that's been around since um, Italian home. And it's still there. And uh, there's a tradition called the Giglio. The Giglio is... it. Basically, is it looks like the strongest Italian men you can find that are religious, and it's a ceremony from Italy, mm-hmm. and they carry throughout the community a it looks like a throne with almost uh, I describe it as an obelisk, a very 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 tall structure, and you got to hold it steady, and they have a route through um, um, East Harlem that they do. And I think it's affiliated with the Mount Carmel Church, which is still there and been there since Italian Harlem. They do this mm. ceremony every year in Harlem every August. There's one in Brooklyn too, but this Harlem one, they've been doing it since 1908. Really? And they're still doing it. I, I, I think I saw it once on television. It, it's yeah. a very tall uh, object that they yes. carry. Yes, yeah, very tall, very tall. And they hold it balanced and steady, and they're walking. Okay, and 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 there's more to it. There's a base to it too, and all that the whole structure is being held up by these men. And what does it represent? Uh, I'm not quite sure. I know it's a festival. It's part of a festival, a religious festival that's celebrated and that that was brought over from Italy. Mm. And uh, I'm just amazed that. It has continued strong for uh, more than a century, more than a century. And it, it's still there. It's still there. You know, so that's uh, that's lasting. It certainly is. Um, real briefly, um, mm-hmm. because we're getting ready to go to a break in about a minute and a half. Okay. Uh, what can you tell us that we don't know and you only found out through your research about uh, the Harlem Renaissance? Um, 
I'll tell you briefly before the break, um, I knew of the Harlem Renaissance. I did not know the connection between the Harlem Renaissance or didn't really think about it between the Renaissance and prohibition and also between the Renaissance and the Great Depression, which is one of the reasons that the Renaissance ended. Mm. You know, with the economic problems of the Great Depression are one of the reasons that it ended. And also the end of prohibition because prohibition, Harlem was the place to be. That's where you went for uh, alcohol, for after-hours joints, speakeasies, and, uh, and the speakeasies, and the, the speakeasies, the after-hours, the after-hours joints, and for the entertainment, and for the entertainment, and, and there the, was some and, competition, and, and, and the numbers. Oh, oh, please, yes, yes, yes. I mean, that's the mob got involved with the numbers. They saw the numbers was making money. That Dutch Schultz says, "I want in on that. I want in on that." And like I said, went up against. Uh, Casper Holstein and Stephanie St. Clair, and uh, they had their, you know, their, their, their battles, so to speak, you know. So uh, uh, after the break, there's something else I learned about the Renaissance just just recently. Well, then, uh, then, then let, let's hold it for the break. Then hey, let's hold it for after the we'll break. Wait, we'll wait. All right, ladies okay. and gentlemen, uh, we're listening to Mr. Jared McAllister, uh, formerly with the New York Daily News. And uh, he is uh, filling us in on some things we did not know about Harlem and the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll find out a little bit more. In the meantime, I just want to remind you that uh, this is, uh, we're still in Black Music Month. So if you go to HarlemAmerica.com, you'll see our articles on Black Music Month. Uh, and you'll see some stuff that Richard Lalite has written for us. And you'll find a playlist celebrating 50 years of hip-hop. We have a hip-hop playlist there for you that you might enjoy as well. All at HarlemAmerica.com. We'll be right back. you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. Harlem America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Thank you, Kipper. 
So last night uh, we were at the uh, kickoff for Harlem Week 2023, where we honored uh, uh, Nona Hendricks of LaBelle, and we honored DMC of Run DMC, and we had uh, Paul Schaefer from the from the Letterman uh, show. Uh, he was there to do a tribute to uh, our friend Chuck Jackson, along with Toya. Uh, they did a wonderful tribute to uh chuck jackson so yeah. this this is where i met this gentleman jared uh McAllister, and uh because of what he had to say on stage last night i thought we'd have him on the show so jared welcome back uh let's Hi. continue please sure 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 uh you had brought up the harlem renaissance uh which was a, an amazing an amazing period that uh it sort of reverberates through history, and it's it's still known today. Uh, the after effects, which are pleasant after effects, are still around, which is an interest in uh, literature and arts. And uh, uh, I found out that it was boosted by uh, um, by prohibition and the influx of people from outside the community. Some people were patrons and others just learned of the fruits of the Renaissance by interacting with Harlemites and, and spending time uptown. And uh, it was, um, it was, it, it was really, 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 uh, I'm still amazed. It's really amazing. And prohibition uh with alcohol flowing, you know, regardless of what the national law was uptown, that fueled um, a lot of the uh, night spots and the entertainment spots, uh, the nightclubs in Harlem. And it wound up being the place to be and um, brought a lot of money into the community, which was good, which was good. But that, uh, the Renaissance took a dip uh in the what is it the 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 mid 30s uh prohibition ended so now alcohol is available everywhere and some people like you know they they don't have to make the trip to harlem that's fine maybe they weren't that inspired by the renaissance where they're coming up for the cultural culture necessarily so that lessened you know business and traffic and then the great depression hit where Everybody was whacked hard by, um, you know, hard times in the United States. And that sort of brought an end to everything. But, but there was also a new beginning. The WPA, uh, Works Progress Administration, was part of President Roosevelt's New Deal initiative. The New Deal initiative was meant to give a boost, an economic boost, and also even a cultural boost to Americans who were suffering from the Great Depression. And out of that came groups like the uh, Federal Writers Project, where a lot of the Renaissance writers contributed to um, the Federal Theater Project, where uh, a, a lot of the actors that were part of the Renaissance contributed to sculptures, muralists, they all got work. Uh, for this administration, which was great. Mm -hmm. um, 
one thing that came out of that was a all an all black version of the play Macbeth, the Shakespeare play Macbeth, which was staged, which was set in Scotland, according to Shakespeare. They set it in Haiti for this production. Really? Okay. All right. Uh, Canada Lee, a prominent actor, was one of the actors in it. Okay. Um, this is really interesting now. Uh, John Houseman, who, who's known as a, an actor, producer, and other things. John mm-hmm. Houseman uh, helped produce it. And they hired a 23-year-old director to do the direction for it. He had done some works before, but this is one of his first big works, directing this play in Harlem. Uh, The director was Orson Welles. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Uh, You you know, it's just like, well, again, Harlem again, what's going on here? And they did that, and they did the play, and it was absolutely wonderful. It I think it toured the country at some point, so it had a touring company, which is amazing. And then one of my other Harlem things was, uh, and let me find him here. Uh, this is at the world, the premiere in Harlem. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Two oh, really? Okay, so uh, tell us who those two people are. The man on the left the white man is Kenneth McPherson. He's uh-huh. Scottish and he was a writer. Mm-hmm. The man, the black man in his top hat in was Jimmy top. Daniels. Jimmy mm-hmm. Daniels was uh, a nightclub owner, uh, dancer and other things during the Renaissance. Uh, he was he and McPherson, both openly gay, and this is back in the day, openly gay. Mm-hmm. You know, where we're, we're we're doing that now, sort of. But uh, they were openly gay and and doing their thing, and they were able to do their thing because of people like um, Alexander Gumby, who was a bookstore owner. And he also hosted a salon and the salon where people came and networked and talked, it was a safe space. Uh. It was a safe space where they could come and network and express themselves, which was great. Uh, Another safe space was a building called the Dark Dark Tower on 136th Street. And it was built by Madam C.J. Walker. Oh, really? After her death, her daughter would host parties and and salons at the Dark Tower, where you had some of the most prominent people in the Renaissance in there. And at times, a lot of them were were gay. And it was another safe space Mm. where, where, you know, they were fine in the safe space. And you you had networking and conversations and ideas and imaginations just going through the roof because, you know, you didn't have to worry about being hurt or anything. It was a safe space to, uh, you know, to congregate. And um, there were other, other, I'll give you one other. 
Uh, Gladys Bentley. Uh, wait a minute now. Okay, for those who can't see, Gladys Bentley has on a top hat, black tie, and probably in a tux. Is yep. that correct? Yep. Wearing lipstick. Yep, yep, yep. And she would dress that way at her club and play the piano and and, and bang it out. I mean, and, and, and you know, and singing the blues and, uh, and just entertaining and entertaining. Do you remember the name of the club? Uh, Gladys Bentley's Clam House. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was called the clam house okay mm -hmm. and it was interesting because both her and daniels sort of i wasn't going to say i didn't slow their role but they were less open and less out in the years that followed the harlem renaissance because McCarthyism came into play where they were looking for communists. Mm -hmm. They were also looking for gays. Really? There was something called, uh, um, uh, oh, what was it called? The Lavender something, where they purged every, anyone they thought was gay from the federal government. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that went over into private life too. So people were ostracized and uh, they took it down a notch you know, just to, you know, to survive, I guess. Uh, but they were still out there. Um, uh, Daniels joined the military, performed for the troops, came back and opened up uh, a, a restaurant uh, and nightclub in Greenwich Village and had a lot of prominent people come to this club. Black, white, straight, gay, everyone come to this club. And he also had um, you know, as for one example, one prominent, uh, well, not, she wasn't prominent at the time. She was up and coming and she had like a, uh, a several, a couple weeks stint at his nightclub, you know, uh, Barbara Streisand. Really? Exactly. And, you know, so he was doing his thing and I happened to run across a video in YouTube of Gladys Bentley in the fifties and she's dressed like a woman, mm -hmm. you know? because she wore men's clothes back in the day, but she was dressed like a woman. And there was an African brother on the show with her. And uh, the host, who was Groucho Marx, it was Groucho Marx's <laughs> You Bet Your Life, okay? Oh, really? He had spoken to the African brother, who was in African garb, and apologized for ignoring Bentley. And she said, no problem. And he started talking to her. And she said that she was a performer, an entertainer. And then he said, I've heard of you. I've heard of you before. He said, uh, how many songs do you know? She said 500. And Groucho being Groucho said, can you do them all? Okay. <laughs> and you she bet said your no. Life. You bet your life. And she exactly. And I said, and he said, no. She said, no, I'll do one. And he said, we must be able to get a piano in here somewhere. They rolled up a piano and she started belting out a song like it was during the Renaissance at her club. It mm. was amazing. The videos on YouTube. And just banging it out, singing, playing. Really? And wow. it was amazing, just amazing. And um, this whole LBGTQ plus thing was going on back then. How about this? I'm in the office and I've talked about those years of experience that I'm working with. 
mm-hmm. they mentioned uh, the Jewel Box Review, which I didn't know about, and I had to research. It was a show of cross-dressing men that toured the country, and when it came to New York, it came to the Apollo. And really? people were lined up around the block to see it. Um, one of the writers, Ron Scott, said, yeah, my mother used to take me, but I didn't know what was going on. I saw all these people <laughs> dressed up, and we were looking, and you know, and they're this and that and that and this. The host or MC of the uh, Jewel Box Review was uh-huh. a lesbian who, according to her and according to others, was at the Stonewall Inn the night of the Stonewall incident. And she was the one they were arresting. And she fought back and hit a cop and asked others to get involved. And that started the disturbance. Really? Wow. And and this is how many years after the LGBTQ thing was going on in Harlem. And, you know, it... A lot of connections up there. A lot of connections up there. I mean, you know, this is Harlem history that uh, I guess is going to all be in the book. Uh, oh, yeah. Harlem's oh, Evolution. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Harlem's Evolution. Uh, give me the, the complete name of the book. Uh, is, is it 125th? It's, it's, it's Harlem's Evolution, and it's celebrating the 125th anniversary of uh, the um, uh, Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce. I don't think the exact subtitle is pinned down yet, but Harlem's evolution, that's what we're going to do because that's what it is. We, we looked, watched Harlem develop over the years, over the generations. Wow. Well, hey, you know, uh, Jared, this has been wonderful. Uh, you've made us smarter. Thank you very, very much. Uh, it has uh, been a real pleasure uh, to to have met you uh, last night, and uh, we're going to stay in contact. But yes. this history, th- this history of Harlem, because we all love Harlem. I mean, you know, Harlem mm-hmm. is the place. Everyone comes here to Harlem, and people come from all over the world yep. just to come up and see uh, what Harlem is like. So thank you very, very much for uh, educating our, our audience. And uh, I want you to know, folks, we'll be back next Friday. Please go to harlemamerica.com and check out our, uh, our, our 50-year tribute to hip-hop. And also, Jarrett McAllister, where can they find you? Um, let me see. I'm around. How do they want to find me? I'm around. If you you do a Google search, you can find the work I've done on the Daily News. That'll come up. Uh, Also, a lot of the work that I've done with with Harlem Week over the years, that'll show up too. uh, Fantastic. Well, we'll we'll have to leave it there. You have a great day and a better one tomorrow. And don't judge your brother or sister too harshly until you've walked a mile in his or her shoes. Have a great day, and I'll see you next Friday. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening.